What's next with Joe Krogman? Honey, honey, see, it's distorting. Late night session. This is all the same stuff you did and the one that didn't work. Okay, let's just... <laughs> Hello and welcome to What's Next. I'm Joel Krogman and this is my show. Today I'm doing something a little different. My wife and I uh, sat down to talk about our lives and what we're doing and um, some of the big life decisions that we've recently made. And part of this podcast is my own discovery into who I am and who I want to be. And my wife is very closely connected to that. She's on her own path and, and building her own life as well, but we're doing it together and supporting each other. And And so I wanted to talk with her about some of these big decisions that she's made recently that we've made together as a family. Mo is an artist. She is a grad student pursuing a master's degree in art therapy. She is the mother of our two kids. So we decided to have a conversation about about where we're at what we're up to, and how it's all going. Cheers. Hard kombucha. <laughs> I, knew this, I, knew, I knew this was not going to work. <laughs> I really want to do improv. So, um, <laughs> a big reason that I wanted to do this podcast is because I've wanted to have some growth in my life. And the bigger theme, I think, for both of us is maybe as we're getting into this, into a new phase of life, it's like middle age. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like the, the questions of who, who are we and what are we doing mm. seem to be hitting both of us. And it's playing out for each of us in different ways. So... Probably everybody who's listening to this knows <laughs> who you are. But for the sake of context and, and it making sense. You want my artist statement? Not your artist statement. Who are you? What do you but do? Like, why do you do it? What, yeah, what are, <laughs> yeah, give us a quick 30,000 foot view. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm Mobella. <laughs> this is not going to work. <laughs> Stop saying that. You can't not act. You cannot not act. I, am, I love the stage. Yeah, I've always a, loved the stage. You can't change that. I'm I love... I'm to, a, okay. I'm not asking to change it. I'm just saying, just don't act. I'm just being myself. <laughs> don't edit this out. You're so rude. Again. I was going to say, when you were talking about midlife stuff, how I've been thinking about, you know, we got married when we were 23. Yeah, too young. Would you quit? <laughs> this really is. ain't going to work. <laughs> no, we got married when we were 23, and I think we've grown a lot, grown up together almost, and ebbed and flowed and changed and still given space for one another to change and be who you are and love you amongst everything all the emotions and 
Um, <clears throat> so I say that because when we were 23, when right when we got married, I took my first college level course at the community college like right. intro to psychology. And, and I was so scared to go to college. I was so intimidated by it. I just felt like I don't know if I can do this, but I fell in love with this thing called art therapy and, you know, watched my mom bring art supplies into underserved communities and saw how art was this powerful tool that brought about this peaceful, empowering energy. And I realized later, oh, that that's there's something called art therapy out there. And so I was like, okay, I got to start. So right when we got married, I started college and I've still in it, still pursuing. Yeah, you, you went like part time. Yeah, we worked through what we paid or got scholarships or grants. And at, at first you were, we were pretty broke. You were making the money. You were going to school <laughs> and I was doing whatever I could. I made $800. I think it was eight hundred fifty dollars a month or something. Yeah, and our rent our rent was eight hundred a month, and, and I, I just made you couldn't work little bits of cash here and there because you were Canadian and you couldn't work yet. And we were way too young. Thankfully, we survived. My parents gave us nothing. food. Friends gave, <laughs> but we fought our way through you know, chasing our dreams and you believed in me enough to be like, yeah, go for it. Well, that, that's really what I wanted to get to. How great you are. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that oh would my come God. up a lot in this conversation. <laughs> the synergy continues. <laughs> Don't oh roll gosh. your eyes. You've Sorry. always hated how I cheesy mean, I am. It's just that here yeah, I'm gonna. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta turn you down. Your. Oh my is. god, you're so rude. You call yourself a podcast host. Okay, so you started by going all the way back to well, getting in school and to yeah. leading to kind of how we got to here, what we're doing now. Well, I'm not even there yet because then right. I started working at Breakthrough through AmeriCorps. And I learned so much about teaching and using art, music, yoga with students with all different ages. And we kept staying involved in that community. And I feel like it imprinted empathy and vision on my heart of like what matters to me, to us, to our lives. And then I transferred to UIC and for their art program and um, majored in studio art, minored in psychology and absolutely loved that program. Still love it. Still stay connected to artists. Shout out yes. UIC alumni. <laughs> art group. <Ooh> -hoo. <laughs> 15 blocks south. That's the name of our art group. So then, like, loved UIC, and then I got pregnant with Luca. Yeah, no, we definitely wanted to have kids, and so thankfully Luca came along, and did I take the summer off? And then 
I know I was pregnant going to classes. I remember painting and like wearing a mask and having gloves on and painting and being pregnant with Luca. I think you took a semester off. I think you... After he was born. You took the semester off. The semester he was born, you took off. Yeah, and then... So he was born in March. I think you... So you Through the summer. You stopped. Yeah, you took the, like the spring semester or the winter semester off, whatever that's called. Yeah. And then you went back in the fall when he was six months old. Right? Yeah, and thankfully the generosity of my mom and sister watching him. And then uh, going back was kind of hard, but I was feeling really determined and with the, sp- the support of you... And knowing that Luca would be with, you know, in this safe, loving environment while I was at school, I went back full time and just finished up. I love you, I see. Yeah, it was such a great experience. And then I worked with the Dialogue Initiative. I was their artist in residency there for that year doing art shows and collaborations. And I really liked their mission. Um, just getting people to talk who are different on campuses and um, integrating. All along in that process, was art therapy still the goal? Mm -hmm. And all these experiences were helping guide you there? Or or were you not really sure at that point? I can't remember. I think I, I knew I wanted to apply for grad school. I knew that that would be a next step. But I think... I was also trying to hustle as an artist and, you know, try to do shows and apply, you know, to different exhibitions and trying to do performative paintings. And um, I think it was always hard being a little older as a student and being a mother. Mm -hmm. So I found the artist mother... I think it's the Artist Mother podcast. Now it's called something different, but um, it was like an online group on Instagram of artists and mothers that were doing really beautiful work and just connecting with one another and doing critiques. And that kept me sustained after I graduated from UIC and, um, and was starting to apply to graduate programs. And then COVID hit. Yeah. Well, after how, I applied. When did you graduate from UIC? That was 20, 2015 or twenty sixteen. Okay, so there and then yeah we and we had when in, in twenty seventeen. So we had another child. Yeah. Which slowed things down, especially because we moved to Chicago to a different. We bought a condo and then it didn't work out. And that was really stressful and hard. And we got pregnant. I was still trying to do art though and trying to connect with other like extended practice artist mothers. Yeah, you always kept in pursuit of it. I remember though, just you being so, there were times of just um, feeling so frustrated by what was available to you being a mom and an artist there's making art for art's sake but then there's also making art that you want to have make an impact on people Mm -hmm. and 
feeling of trying to find your voice or trying to find like your avenue well to well there's there's so much after art school that i learned about with like courting these gallerists and go to all the gallery openings and really try to always be at all these openings and they're always on the weekends at night late at night and stay at the after party and it's like built for a 20 year old that's single yeah, you can't really do that if you want to be around your kids it's, and stuff well and now i think now in 2023 there is a little bit more of an opening for like oh let's make a family-friendly show mm. um right there are people like i'm thinking of angela lopez and sarah halwarda who i did a a show at roman susan gallery and they made it they designed the show to have kids space at the openings where kids could draw on the walls in a kid area and yeah i remember that that was just like fresh water in the desert because it was structured in a way that was accessible for parents and that was so rare and i think it's catching on more and more now but yeah i think making art and being able to share it with the world really matters and um but i also always have loved psychology so i was trying to decide do i do an mfa do i which is a master's in fine art and you know, go for the painting and the performative art that I love, or do I do a master's in art therapy? And mm-hmm. it just more and more, I had two really amazing mentors at UIC, Deanna Frid and Matthew Metzger, and they just have been like my support beams through all these like, hey, I need references or hey, I need ideas or support. And they have just been there, like always been there. And we'd run into each other at the Blick buying art supplies in Lincoln Park or like, and I'd say, hey, can you help me with this? Like, what's this gallery or what's this show? Or I think having mentors, going to school and having a couple mentors, that's why that school was so special for me. It was just that year, that group, it was just amazing and yeah, so then I I think that catches us up to deciding it should be art therapy. And you decided that in, it was, it was 2019, I think, right? We, we, I think so. And you had, were looking, we were looking at different schools and um, yeah. you always had a dream of going to SAIC, mm-hmm. the School of the Art Institute in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wanted to go there. I always loved the art, the modern wing, and just some of the prolific, um, especially women artists that have come out of that school. Um, Mm -hmm. But also knowing it's a private school and feeling like, oh, how could this work? But still going like through the steps of, and it was painstakingly hard, I think, to decide like and go through the application process. But I think it was, I applied to Northwestern for their MFA program um, and it would be like in painting. So I wouldn't be doing art therapy and I didn't get into that. And I was kind of relieved because I thought like, do I really wanna study 
art history i'm not super into art history like i'm super into psychology because the history would be a kind of a required part of it just it just wasn't as interesting to me as the psychology aspect sure and i'm sure you know each dips into one another in certain ways but i was much more interested in the psychology with the art working together yeah something that i think is really common with a lot of artists but um it, there's this journey of like self-belief you know when, when you start that journey way back it's kind of something that is way off in the distance it does require you to have some belief in yourself to think it's worth even taking this first step hmm. and i know just through conversation and through um i've i've kind of had a front row seat to the battle for you to to that battle you know and i know that that's definitely been it's definitely not a, one that's over you know it's, it constantly kind of comes back so i'm i'm just curious how you now in hindsight but also as you continue to um believe in yourself mm even when you don't want to or when you feel like there's lots of reasons not to or yeah. whatever like how that how that journey has gone for you specifically when we've made the, when you've made these decisions to do big commitments like go to school like apply to grad school and and like really jump in well that's what is kind of strange and what I'm kind of trying to express is that it's feel it's felt like this huge wave that I've been riding that I started riding metaphorically when I was 23, when we got married, I feel like, I feel like I'm just like, because school and grad school can be so stressful, it's like, just get through the next door. And I'm almost not even thinking about it. It's like, well, I have to do this because this is it. Like, this is the goal. And, you know, thankfully you've been so supportive. That's a huge open door, but don't shake your head. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not saying, saying that, that I have, but that's, that's not, not the part that's interesting to me. I'm not getting to it yet. <laughs> Let me explain. Having kids also is like, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to actually enhance our life. My life as a mother is going to be more enhanced if I'm connected to the world because I love connecting to people. That's okay. part of my personality. Yeah. Okay. This is great because... You, I know that about you. I love that about you. It's one of the reasons why I think art therapy in particular is something that you're built for. Yet I also know, and this might just be when it, when the workload's high and and a particularly dis, particularly discouraging day or whatever. There's lots of times where when you say like I I'm just. I, How I'll can I, I even do that? No, not not even that. You say like the opposite of of the connecting with people thing, where you're like, "All I want to do, I don't actually think I want to do this art therapy thing anymore. All I want to do is find a house somewhere in the countryside, run away, and yeah, and not have to do anything. And and yeah. So like, what is the what what do you keep coming back to that mm. that keeps you going down this road like how do you know this is the right path well i think one thing is i'm learning how to mend and tend to myself when i'm wanting to escape because things feel overwhelming so understanding because our courses are like intense psychology 
courses with art thankfully we can make art in them in the classrooms and but I think it's a tough question because it's like I don't know how to answer it really I'm trying to think of how to answer that I didn't really explain the point where I decided before we talk about that, can we go back a bit? <laughs> sure, sure. Because I'm not quite ready to explain all that. Because I applied to School of the Art Institute of Chicago, mm-hmm. Northwestern, and um, SIUE, where I'm currently at, Southern Illinois. And I got into SAIC and SIUE, and I did interviews in person in both places. But wait. In February of 2020. Northwestern wasn't an art therapy program though, right? No, it was a painting. I think I might have applied to a school, Cranbrook as well. Mm, in Michigan, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. For that. painting or sculpture. or But yeah, those I didn't really pursue anymore. I felt like art therapy is where I want to go. And the main reason why I was interested in Northwestern is like I love the setting the painting program and the funding and so I was trying to be smart like thinking about we're a family I don't want to just sign up for all this debt if there's a possibility that I can get my grad degree and have it be funded so did the interviews in February 2020 got to that point where I went in in in-person interviews the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and Southern Illinois University and got accepted into both and then right after COVID hit 2020 like literally days after we got back home from interviewing and it was like the world flipped upside down and and you got not just like you got offered a full scholarship at SAUE mm-hmm. with funding and you know assistantship and and I really liked both programs for different reasons but it just because of the craziness of COVID yeah it just felt so hard to make that choice but I, I was like we can't take this fully funded option even though it's fully funded we have we'd have to move you'd have to maybe quit your job like how are we going to survive it didn't seem like a good climate it wasn't the time it was weird and so instead of just doing nothing i continued with saic and i did my first year remote while i was homeschooling our First, first grader, and we had a, what, three-year-old? Not even. Not even, maybe two. So I was homeschooling. I was at home. But honestly, those classes at SAIC kept me sane because I felt like I was still connected to the dream. I was still doing night classes mm. remotely in our little basement workshop room. Made the, like the a study. little studio study. <laughs> and... It was so hard, but it was so good to have that. And I I loved it. I mean, having some of the most amazing art therapy people, especially with social justice 
Savni Talwar and Leah Gibson and all these people that are just just yeah. forging through the path of art therapy in such amazing ways. Well, it was a unique time to be a part of a social justice program too because mm. because of what happened in 2020 was around violence against social black justice, people, yeah. People of color and being art therapist, it's so important to educate ourselves, especially white art therapists, on how to be educated and aware, culturally sensitive. There's a book called Cultural Humility by Dr. Luvinia Jackson, and I remember we read that. And Savneet Towers also did a social justice book intersecting with art therapy. There's just people that when you're in that field, it's like there's such a need, especially in the context of our current time. And right. and that time, too, was, and it's still that way. But anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think I really held closely these people, but the school was just too expensive and it just wasn't. It wasn't something I wanted to do, sign up for massive debt in order to make this happen because there was this other option that had a very similar social justice framework, art therapy and counseling program in Southern Illinois and amazing people there as well, an amazing holistic community and basically you know, being able to go and be paid to go as a graduate assistant is like, wait, what? You right. mean we yeah. don't have to sign up for all that debt? Like, and I still get an amazing degree at the end of it? That is so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes us, our family, completely relocating, which is a huge deal, um, pulling kids out of school and... You know, your job, it was such a, it was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And thankfully, Tectonic was so great with like saying, let's figure this out. Like this matters and your family mm-hmm. matters and how can we make it work? Yep. Which I'm just so grateful for. Yeah. So you can keep working remotely for them. But. Yeah, so here we are. So you're still asking that question about Well, I'm just here we're now in we're now in the St. Louis area. Mhm. And our kids are in new schools. You're full-time full-time plus with grad school. Mhm. I'm I'm working remotely. And we're in a new town. Like everything's <laughs> everything's new but what's interesting one of the things that i thought was going to happen is i mean we we've we have felt for a long time this sense of taking a risk well yeah yes that but that i think we felt for a long time the sense of feeling stalled feeling like whatever it is that we're currently doing it's like our life feels stalled or like there's something else that needs to happen yeah before we settle in especially it just didn't feel like we were supposed to invest in staying in chicago at that time 
yeah no, nothing really no no nowhere. place we were renting and after we had sold the condo we were just renting and no, nowhere seemed like oh yeah this would be this this seems like exactly like the kind of place that we feel like we should be to raise our family for a long-term situation but my my what I, what my point was was that for me anyways was this feeling of being stalled and my my thinking was we just need to go chase after some of these dreams and we're going to feel alive in a way we haven't felt alive in a while and here we are <laughs> and here we've done we've done that to a certain degree and and uh that feeling didn't come for me Mm. the feeling of feeling alive and like yeah it's hard but we're doing what we're supposed to be and there's some kind of life force Mm -hmm. that comes with that it's been it hasn't happened for me anyways yeah i think i taste it more probably because of being in the field i want to be in some days are so hard like we talk about just some heavy stuff and it's impossible not to be introspective about one's own life one's own pain Mm. while reading all this material it's so dense and you know sometimes people just get up and start making art because in class yeah and i love that that's all the professors are like do what you need to do. If you if you're feeling triggered emotionally or like anxious or um, like you're about to be triggered, like go do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And so you know people will go and just grab drawing materials or clay or just walk around a bit, and because it just is so intense and and yet I love it. Like I'm loving this family art therapy class i just there's so many interesting connections and just attachments and family of origin history and connections and patterns do you love it as you think about how it relates to your own life or do you love how you can see it playing out in the world or in in the people around i think both for me for sure like there's I feel like there's certain people and families that are always kind of looking around and observing and tracking. Yeah. And I feel like that's how I am mm-hmm. I and how I've always been with my family or friends or people. It's just like I'm always curious about how people are doing inside, like not just what they're presenting as, but how are people actually feeling and like, I really want to get to the heart of that authentic kind of connection. Um, And I feel like therapy, in therapy, I'm learning all these different styles and techniques of how to connect with people and how to heal different things in our lives. And Mm -hmm. I resonate with so many art therapists and the way that so many art therapists will like let the art almost take over and the client becomes the expert. And it's not about the art therapist knowing this magic thing about what the drawing says. It's more about the client doing this process of getting these images out. And it's almost like they become aware of what the message is for themselves. And we just kind of 
facilitate the materials and kind of ask open questions and watch and it's like this this it is kind of we're not supposed to say it's magical but it feels like this magic energy of when you draw something it's like your subconscious has a chance to speak in visual form and to me that's so exciting because we can tap into what's been locked away or hidden or buried like especially childhood wounds and start to teach ourselves that we can you know love those parts of ourselves like internal family systems ifs i love mm-hmm. that i love that that there's different parts of us like we can have our adult self kind of visualize and love our inner child stuff like that i'm really fascinated by and we're reading lots about judy rubin who's the artist on mr rogers neighborhood and she just has such a cool way about her and how she talks to people and i feel like there's always a lot of work to be done with mental health and therapy But I think a lot of artists or expressive artists, whether it's music, dance, drama, art, a lot of the expressive artists, I feel like just listen to things, watch for things in a different way that just resonates with me, that feels like I like how you wait to see what the client is going to kind of reveal so that but that that's not traditional art therapy right that's like an artist who's maybe more attuned to the people in the world around them or is that or are you talking about traditional art therapy yeah you are yeah what do you mean by traditional i mean anyone can do any job and not be culturally sensitive so there will be art therapists out there that practice in a way that's not sensitive and not aware and that's okay sorry i thought you just meant someone who's making art in general and they're making art with in the context of the the people and the environment around them oh you but you're speaking about i was talking about the context of art therapy but it is a tricky question because art is just amazing and it just happens like and i don't think right i think art therapists are careful with how they say what they do because especially our degree is like we're learning how to be an art therapist and a clinical like licensed clinical counselor yeah so i think we're practicing counselor but i think that you know, what's funny is that like at UIC in art school, almost every critique that we did where you stand around and someone shares their art and people make comments, it's so much about like people's trauma Mm -hmm. and whether resolved or unresolved, art like screams out people's pain it's like a way to kind of resolve it i think one of our kids is a they'll come won't they come at the door i don't know if they'll know we're in here 
You want me to check? Yeah. Were they awake? <laughs> no. What was that? I don't know, but... Anyway, yeah. I could talk about art all day. Yeah, so um, I guess what's great for me, what I'm hearing from you right now is something that I don't hear a lot of, which is like... It's not who's going to take the kids to school and what are we making for dinner. Yeah, most of our conversations are about that, the practical stuff. But when we have alone time, usually I, I guess I hear... Like the venting, like what you. Joel, please do not embarrass me. <laughs> oh my god. No, this is all good. I'm, but what I'm saying is, is, for me, it's great to hear this other side where you're saying, um, like well, the, the thing yeah. that you're really love, like you're loving what you're learning, and there's so much good goodness to Certain it. Certain aspects, I think, the assignments, the papers, and the nonstop can become the dread of graduate school but when i find those sweet spot places that are like oh i really want to do this i really like what i'm seeing or learning and then it like sparks this it goes back to that dream of yeah. like yes you're in the right place and you may not love everything you're studying but there's certain things that are going to be like these gems that stand out to you. And also just all of what I'm learning as a graduate assistant, it's it's pretty amazing. Just I'm learning so much. I'm just sometimes growing and learning is hard and there's resistance and it's like I just want to crawl and be cozy in my little corner with the fireplace. <laughs> No, edit that out. I just want to sit and like be cozy and and like sometimes I don't want to grow or don't want to have to do all these assignments or have to do all these meetings. But then there's these windows of light that kind of shed through that are that are like, hey, there is there is something here for you and. That's what I mean is it's not all going to speak to me. Not all of yeah. this education, but certain things are, will stand out. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just a lot to juggle mm -hmm. being a parent and a grad student and a wife and um, working and um yeah I mean, for it's me it's a privilege for sure all of it i'm very privileged mm -hmm. but it's not easy to balance out everything so you see me on days when i'm like spent i feel like i can be safe with you and just like let my hair down and be like this is really hard yeah i think i feel that way too i'm i'm sort of like surprised by, by the, the degree of on the edge, I feel all the time, you know, feeling that there are a lot of things to juggle and you, and I don't feel like I'm necessarily juggling any one of them all that well. And so that feeling after a while starts to feel like you don't feel like you're making a lot of progress in, in anything. It's just hanging on. That's what it, that's what, since we've moved the last eight months, there's definitely been more of that. Then, um, 
the craziness of our schedules and it's always changing and yeah and the mentality of of there's the things we're committed to in terms of our time like like my work in your school and then there's the things that we're committed to in the broader sense which is each other our relationship Mm -hmm. us as parents with our kids Mm -hmm. the you know the community we live in and how we want it integrate with that and yeah help our kids find relationships so right scheduling play dates for them getting them involved in clubs or sports or whatever it is it feels like oh my gosh how are we gonna have the bandwidth to you know make this ours but for some reason like like we just having our backyard yeah has been incredible like we because of where we were living before and just the rats (laughs) yeah and just and harlem avenue shaking your house every 30 seconds (laughs) i think that that's it too for me it's those little there's so many little things to be grateful for Our, our landlord was just kind of over the over the mm-hmm. over and above kind to us and it's so nice you know our our neighbors yeah that are, are awesome. just just feel so comfortable and so welcomed yeah and how how you, even though finding the time sometimes or when work gets crazy and you're crazy with school and and it just like squeezes our margins a lot and it's difficult to feel like we're being good parents or or you know three days go by and it's not there's just not been an opportunity to do dishes and the dishes are it's like a two and a half hour job to do the dishes all of a sudden and 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 but you know the fact that I have been able to maintain this job and the transition that's mm-hmm. not been something that's had to transition you know there's a level of understanding for our situation and everything that, co- yeah. that comes along with that too it's been great but still this for me this thing that per- that i'm kind of trying to learn i guess is that i'm i'm i've been so the the tools book phil stutz tool book tools book sort of calls this like a consumer mentality of just of wanting life to satiate this desire for difficulty to end for pain to stop and for struggle to no longer be in the picture and that i think that's you know something that i've been thinking that is on the other side I've I've been I've been risk averse Mm. and I've been thinking okay if I can just take a risk that's going to be on the other side of the risk I'll finally be whatever set up I'll be I'll no longer feel like something's missing Mm -hmm. or whatever and it's the same thing with this podcast I I'm so I feel such a sense of satisfaction when I post the episode just because it feels like I got something done. Mm-hmm. And then 
I have this total roller coaster of of emotions of of the ultimate thing that would be embarrassing for me is for me to think I'm doing something that's worthwhile and for other people to say it's not, hmm. you know, and that this starting this podcast and doing it has been has felt like a little bit of like taking that risk and doing the doing the thing that oh on the other side of that just being somebody who does a podcast or like can get their shit together enough to do something like this on a regular basis Mm -hmm. doesn't have any doesn't have these same struggles that i have so if i could just do that i wouldn't feel like i have those struggles anymore but they persist like if i could just be an art therapist already and be doing this then i'll finally accept myself and love myself and like not be searching for approval or whatever the the things that cause me to crave like false love or just this empty kind of Mm. facade when really it's all from within myself like whether i'm an art therapist or not i can love myself and i can learn how to be content with my life instead of trying so hard to like become something that I thought my birth father would love. And I think finding a connection to that for me was powerful. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I think that's awesome and beautiful. And I see you doing I that. mean, it's not, I haven't arrived at that, but that's like my mantra to keep remembering that this thing in me of wanting to prove myself is probably because I was rejected so badly by him. Yeah. And for so long. And and that happened. His death happened right. in 2021, which was devastating right before. I mean, he died right after I messaged him to reconcile after 20 years. Yeah. And that was just such a hard blow to the heart but um but i think i realized like i think i've been trying to prove in some ways prove to him like i'm smart enough to do this and like do you see me and i we didn't speak to each other but somehow i thought maybe he sees me online and maybe other people listening that have had parents that have abandoned them or chosen different lives besides them (laughs) would feel a sense of connection with what I'm saying because it's like the worst pain to know that my father was not dead but he didn't choose to know me or love me or want me and maybe deep down his own I, I mean i know his own story is super he was through went through so much as a kid and mm-hmm. i know that i know rationally why people make decisions that harm their children but my heart just has broken because of the consequences of his choice you know, to pour his time and energy and love into a different family. But he died unexpectedly 
And that took a whole nother, like, it felt like that midlife crisis thing happened like a million percent in my life, mm-hmm. in my identity and everything. It just shattered everything to like zero starting over in every way and yeah so i think i i know you don't like when i say this but honestly having someone like a partner that still loves me through that i don't think I don't think I would still be set up in a way in this privileged position to be in graduate school and be a mother and be able to do all this if it weren't for you and having that partnership and being so willing to like pause your stuff and say, hey, this matters a lot. I want to let's make this matter for our family and for our kids to watch us prioritize mommy's dreams is unfortunately kind of rare, but it's awesome. But it really is more rare. It's like people assume, oh, your husband's in grad school. How many people at my university act like you were the one when we're all together? They always act like you're the one who's in grad school and not me. And it makes me so mad because it's just this cultural assumption of, oh, well, it, it's obviously the dad who's in grad school. It couldn't be the mother. How odd. Wow. Oh, and I just get so fiery about it. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing you working to rewrite that part of your history for yourself and to discover what that to discover what it is that you want mm. versus what it is that all your birth dad wanted or what you thought you needed to do in order to earn approval and, and earn the love that he never gave and you. And I don't think I realized that until right before he died. It mm. took me four years of therapy to get to the point where I was ready to talk to him face to face. It took literally four years, I think it was. And I was just like, okay, now I'm ready. I'm fully ready to talk to him. And and you were also... Scared. Yeah, you were scared. Very scared, but there was this conviction in me. Like It was like you just know you're ready. Yeah. It had been years of being so angry at his choices and watching... My mom worked so hard and put all of her dreams on the side for us, me and my siblings, and feeling like this is injustice. This is not right. And, you know, thankfully having a family that it's not perfect, but they loved and supported us and Pasquale's love. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, unfortunately, it wasn't the type of situation where all the parents could figure it all out to make it work for the kids to like, yeah, have connection. But um, I think I have to let that go and just understand that 
people were making the best decisions they could, but what hurts the most is my my father choosing or not being brave enough to talk to us. And I do think he wanted to, and I do think he loved us, and I do think he didn't know how to have the courage. Yeah. I really do believe that. And after going to Hawaii and going to the place where he died because we were mailed the death certificate, his death certificate, and which was awful, but I was able to go there. And I... I went to the location, this park in Maui, and I knelt down and I put a wreath on the side of the road. And I cried. And I spoke to him and just said, spirit, and just said goodbye. And I wish you could have loved me when you were alive in a way that made me feel loved and worked for me and I wish we could have talked I wish that you didn't die you know what six days after I messaged you Mm -hmm. but that's also you know I feel like being in this graduate program being in art therapy that's all a part of why I'm here and having a messy history is what most counselors and therapists and people in the helping professions have it's like how do we heal ourselves and i think that's why we push into these we want to figure it out we want to investigate we want to research we want to like heal ourselves and and then in the meantime we're like how can we share what we've learned with others yeah and i think your life has been shaped by some some intense pain and and some choices choices that other people have made that have impacted you really profoundly well i think it's more about shame of well it's been so long and maybe they don't want to talk to me either so i'm just going to keep denial really and that was the family pattern but as you're pursuing this art therapy degree, you also have these experiences where you can choose to step into the unknown, mm-hmm. into the things that might cause you shame because you might fail. You might, you know, there's been a lot of challenges. I feel like I have to choose that daily. Yeah. And you, you, you're stepping into it because you want, you want what's on the other side. In a way, you're, you know, in, in, in these choices, you're living out those things that your birth dad couldn't do and it and you're modeling it for our kids you're modeling it for me you know you're somebody who is someone of strength you're doing and persevering through something that is hard and challenging and it's facing a lot of shit every day but you're doing it and you've always been you've always been someone who's been willing to take risks and uh, you you lead our family in that way. You've are, you've always supported me in my risks, though, like having someone to help. It's easier to be that person. <laughs> it's easier to be the one that's like, okay, what do you need to get this done? How can I help you? What can mm. I do to support you? It's a lot harder for me to step out and 
decide what my life's going to look like. It's much easier for me to let circumstances decide or let the people around me invite me into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And again, coming back to this podcast, that's one of the reasons why this podcast is so emotionally tumultuous for me because that feeling of something that I think is worthwhile, other people might not, is for, for me so shame-inducing. Mm-hmm. Like a, something that I, so a dream that I have is shit on by somebody else someone who I respect and love and who I value. If they don't give you that approval, then you are like... Yeah, so it's soul-crushing for me. And so just the practice of doing this in spite of that mm-hmm. fear is is literally the value that I get out of this. I know when I... <laughs> like, not... not it, I think that the people that have been on the podcast provide a ton of value. Yeah. But for me the value of of saying of just literally practicing of i don't i i have to do this to in order to practice not caring about the approval of the people that i'm that i'm desperate for the approval from it's kind of like a personal experiment in that way yeah but it's also has a lot of other great benefits for people besides yourself but i see what you mean that it's like this this seed that started as like I'm going to like put this out there and if it gets stomped on I'm going to practice not letting that stomping stop me planting that seed and it's going to grow and other people will enjoy the you know whatever blooms from it but you're still taking that seed out and it's at the risk of it getting stomped and you're still like no it's gonna grow it's gonna grow i'm gonna nourish it and i think that's beautiful and that's impressive and risky and courageous and and it's so it's it's the same time i'm like the thing that i'm thinking about is like this is such it's almost we're tooting each other's horns yeah that too but it's so comical this uh, it's not it isn't that it's it's, everything starts like this no i'm not saying that no it's not that this is going to become some big show it's that literally it's just me sitting in front of a computer with a microphone that's what it is and it's and to me it's it's this fortified wall that's Mm. impossible to get over but it's so simple but it's so hard for me that's the that's the thing that's i have to tell you something i forgot to tell you for valentine what (laughs) I sent Taylor Swift your podcast link on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I asked her to please. Sounds like something you would do. (laughs) Please be a guest on your show if she would consider. You can DM people. You can DM anybody on Instagram. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Sometimes people say DMs are not open. They don't want them, but. You can just send, it's a message. All right, well, I want to say this conversation's getting long, but this is just an installment. We're going to we're gonna have to revisit. Res- I, resilience. I, resilience. Beautiful what were you going to say? When we moved into this house, I said, the, only, the thing that keeps playing, the visual that keeps playing through my mind is oh my God. when, when, 
it's you graduation day. <laughs> it's graduation day. And I'm I'm rushing around the house to get the boys ready to go because we got to go. We got to get to the ceremony to, to watch you walk across See, the stage. You're part of the problem. The I, process is the journey. No, I know, you're right. I know, but... Uh, that's that helps me get into the process is imagining the the last step i am looking forward to this kind of chapter of my education it feels like the graduate master's degree could be you know where i can like oh i can stop being a student after 15 years of like needing to keep doing school being privileged enough to I'm just ready to get out in the field and start working and start doing the art therapy and learning. And so I'm really excited. I'm excited for that for you. To get to that too. part of it. Also acknowledging all of the privileges too. That's like the thing I always grapple with. Yeah, I know. Like you go through hard things and you struggle, but we've had so much privilege also. And so yeah, I'm grateful for that. And I think it's a reminder for us to look around and remember and see the story of other people in the world and in our community yeah. and always be aware and always be sharing. Um, always be sharing, ABS. Joel, <laughs> you had to make it an acronym. <laughs> what the heck? Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the nicest you've talked to me for two oh, hours. Oh, <laughs> please stop. Do not. All right. Well, thanks, Mo. I love you. I love you, too. See you. Ba -da -ba -ba. See you in bed. Okay, closing. You can learn more about Mo and what she's up to, her artwork and her art therapy journey uh, by visiting her website, mobellarusso.com. The link to her website is in the episode description. All right, that was fun. I think it makes sense that we'll do some more of those touch points as, as our lives take different turns and we are living out this idea behind the podcast. I think it's it's really helpful for us to process these things in a way where we're thinking about what we're saying beyond just our own private conversations. It helps f things solidify for us and challenges me in different ways that I'm that I'm not thinking about normally. So thank you for being a part of it. Uh, all right, love you guys, and see you next week for episode nine.